Thank you very much for that. Um, here's a question to start off with. Um, when you were at school, do you remember the day that somebody came in with a cast on, like a plaster cast on their arm and a leg? How excited were you to get a pen out? Because it was the only day you got to sign your signature as if you were famous. And uh, everyone grabbed out a marker pen and got going, writing their signatures. Do you remember at school there was always a kid, and I can think of the guy who it was in my class, who came in with a sling. And it was like once a term he'd have a sling on. And then another, every other week he'd have a cast or a plaster or something. And it was just that one kid who was always falling off something, falling backwards off the swing. Maybe one of you wants to volunteer and say, actually, that was me. I was the really injury-prone kid. Yeah, one hand at the back. Um, topic we're going to be looking at this morning is the topic of healing, as you've already heard quite a bit about this morning. And if you've ever had a plaster cast or a cast on your arm, you might have gone to the doctor, and the doctor might have said something like, it's going to take uh, maybe six weeks. That's the natural healing process. Maybe eight weeks, something like that. What we're talking about this morning is when God contracts kind of the normal healing process to a miraculous moment, to an instant. So it might be that you've got an injury that would heal itself over a period of time, but God steps in, and in a miraculous moment, it's healed. The injury completely disappears. Or it might be we're talking about a sickness or a disease, a condition that maybe wouldn't heal itself naturally, There's no cure, but God can come, and in a miraculous moment, it will go. That's what we're talking about, the topic of healing. So um, let me start off with a story. We've already heard a great story of somebody being healed, but I think it's helpful when we look at this topic to ground it in real-life stories. So go with me back to a couple of years ago when I was in Bedford with a couple of my mates, and um, we were down by the river in Bedford, and we prayed just before we went out walking around the river, God... Give us an opportunity to pray for somebody today, which you might be thinking, that's a weird thing to do. Um, But we were walking around. We felt like God spoke to us. We heard God's voice, and he said, look for a white car down by the river, a Honda, and you'll find somebody to pray for. So sure enough, we find a white Honda Prelude with a couple of guys kind of leaning against it, looking really cool. Me and these two friends of mine go up to these two guys and say, this is going to sound really strange, but... Is there something physically wrong with you that we could pray for? And we'll see if you get better. And, um, and sure enough, a guy called Marco said to us, yeah, actually, um, I'm a kickboxer. And they're thinking, great, it's a good start. He goes, and I've got a problem with my back. So my back's a strange shape, and I, if, I touch, if I bend down, I can't touch my toes. And we're thinking, okay, well, it's nice that you're a kickboxer. We feel a little bit scared now. And... Um, This guy next to him, Enzo, great name, says, um, yeah, actually, I've got an injury from punching someone. (laughs) We're thinking, okay, well, it's fine, don't worry, we'll go. And uh, he says, yeah, and my hand really hurts. I can feel pain in my hand. So long story short, we said to these guys, we think God can heal you. We prayed for them. And this guy, Marco, with the, the back injury, he bent down and touched his toes. And he said to us, no word of a lie, that's the first time in my entire life I've ever touched my toes. And the guy with the hand from punching someone said, yeah, my hand feels completely better. I can move it around. Now, there are three, well, at least three responses that you might have to a story like that. First of all, you might think, Rich, you're an absolute weirdo. You just need to sit down and shut up. And um, you might think equally that you would love that kind of thing to happen in your life. Maybe you believe that God can heal people, but 
really praying for sick people and them getting better isn't something that often happens in your life. Or maybe you've been prayed for and you think, I'll tell you what, that kind of story is a story I'd like to tell. Maybe you fit in a third category and you say, actually, that happens to me all the time. That's just an everyday occurrence. That's normal life for me. In which case, you might also think, Rich, sit down. I don't need to hear a talk about this. But I think most of us probably fall in the first two categories. So what I thought it would be helpful for us to do is to look, number one, at what Christians believe about God and Jesus and healing. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to look at what the Bible says. And we're going to look at how healing is part of the big plan of what God wants to do on the earth. And also we're going to look, if you're a Christian here, at how this can be something that we're all involved in. How this isn't something just for special people, but actually the Bible lays out that it's something we can all have as a reality in our lives. Now, as we go along, I'll share a few stories, other stories about people who've been healed as as examples. And then at the end, just like a practical lesson at school, we're all going to have a go. Um, So we're going to ask anybody who would like prayer to be healed from any kind of physical sickness, injury, illness, to come up to the front, and anybody who would like to pray for the sick to come up to the front and pray for them. So uh, hopefully that's okay. We're going to look at the Bible in three stages. So over here, we're going to look, first of all, at the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. What does the first half of the Bible say about God and healing? Then we're going to look here at Um, Jesus, the life of Jesus, the 33 years that he was here on earth. What does the Bible say about that period in relation to healing? And then over here, we're going to look at what happened when Jesus went back to heaven. Did all the healing stop? We're going to look at that. We're also going to look into the future, but we'll get there in a second. So first of all, the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about healing? I guess the first thing to say is that the Old Testament says that God created every every possible cell, tissue, bone. God was the creator in the first place. Not only does the Bible say that God created the first man and woman, but each of us is knitted together in our mother's womb by God himself. So if you're thinking, well, how do we know that God could make new tissues, for example, new cells, new bones? Well, the Bible says he did it in the first place. More than any doctor or surgeon or nurse on the earth, he's the one who knows how everything goes together. He's the one who knows the biology, the science of it. He's the great orchestrator. So that should, in itself, give us confidence that God can heal us of any sickness. We don't just see that God is the creator, but we also find that in the Old Testament, God reveals his character to people, to his people, to the followers of God, by saying, I am statements. You might have heard an I am statement. So I am the Lord your God. I am so-and-so. Kind of revealing his character in these statements. And in Exodus 15, God says to his people, I am the Lord, your healer. It's almost as if God is saying, this is the very nature of who I am. I can't help it. I'm a healer. It's just who God is. He's a healer. That should give us confidence. Not only that God is able to heal, but it's part of who he is. And then thirdly, in the Old Testament, we see there are plenty of examples of God healing the sick. There's a man called Naaman who gets healed. Uh, A man called Hezekiah gets healed. And then David, who writes the Psalms, says, you're the God who restores the sick to full health. So we see God is a creator. His character is a healer. And even in the Old Testament, there are examples of God healing the sick. Okay, that's a quick look through stage one. 
we're going to look into like a second period of time, Jesus' life on earth, and see what does the Bible say happened then. We're going to start by looking at the first recorded words of Jesus in the book of Mark. And the first recorded words of Jesus in the book of Mark are this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, Jesus chooses to kind of mark his arrival, if you like, the beginning of his public work by saying these words. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, you might be wondering, how does this relate to healing? Well, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. They're like interchangeable phrases. He talks about them 82 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's a very popular topic for Jesus. When he talks about the kingdom of God, what he means is the rule of God or the reign of God. God's kingship in a situation. So look at it this way. It's the way God would have everything be. It's his rule, his reign in a situation, in a person's life. Let's, let's zoom out a second. As I said, we'll look in the future. So we know elsewhere from Jesus' teaching that the kingdom of God is where God is, the kingdom of heaven. It's the way things are where he is. So at the moment, now in heaven, God has got his authority, his rule and his reign and everything the way he wants it to be. So there is no sickness. There is no pain. Where God is in heaven There's no injuries, there's no cancer, there's no death. We also know from Jesus' teaching that in the future, Jesus is going to come back, he's going to return. And at that point, there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth. Heaven, God's kingdom, the way God wants things to be, will be on the earth 100%. So God will have everything exactly the way he wants And then anybody who's in relationship with him for eternity will live under the rule of God, where there is no no sickness, injury, death, pain, any kind of suffering. The Bible says Jesus will wipe away everyone's tears. So that's the kingdom of God. If you're in the kingdom of God, if you're where God is, you wouldn't be sick, you wouldn't be injured, you wouldn't be ill. But remember, Jesus is saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not just talking about the future, a time when you won't be sick. He's talking about now. He's saying something cosmic has changed. There's an actual change happened. Now I'm here. What's going to start to happen is the kingdom of heaven is going to break into earth in the present. Now we're going to start to see God's rule and reign now on earth sometimes heaven will break into earth and as if the person who is sick is in heaven suddenly they have a new health maybe an injury disappears because the kingdom of heaven the way god wants it to be his rule and reign is coming in the present in this situation you know if you long for a healthy body If you long for a friend or a family member of yours to be fully well, whether you know it or not, you're longing for the kingdom of God in your life in that situation. I know that sounds abstract, so I'll put it in a metaphor. This week I'm sitting in my office 
and um, the sun starts to shine. And in my office, there's loads of glass windows, and the room kind of warms up and suddenly lights up. Now, I know that it's England, and it's only February, and so I walk outside, it's very cold, and by the end of the week, it's snowing. But it's like that sun shining in the room is like a bit of a promise of how great the summer's going to be. I'm sitting there going, oh, I love the sun, I can't wait for the summer. It's like a little taster of what it's going to be like. In some ways, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to start to bring a taster, a promise of what it's going to be like when you have no sickness in eternity. I'm going to bring a taster of it now in the present, in present day. Okay, you'll be pleased to know that Jesus didn't just talk abstractly about the kingdom of heaven. He demonstrated it. We read in every page, pretty much, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a healing happening. Jesus is bringing the kingdom to earth by walking around and healing. He healed the lame, the mute, the deaf, the blind, lepers, someone with a crippled hand, someone with a severed ear. He raised the dead as demonstrations that the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign, is happening now on earth. I'm going to give you an example because I think it's helpful to talk about examples of healing. You will see in a second why this is an unusual example. Jesus is walking along the streets with his friends, his followers. And they come across a man who's been blind from birth. And Jesus has compassion on him. You know, as Christians, if we're praying for the sick, it's good for us to have compassion for people. And Jesus says, okay, here's a moment that the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign can break into earth, into the present. And he decides this man is going to be healed. And this man, Jesus heals him, and he can see for the first time in his life. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Now, you might be thinking, how did Jesus pray for this guy? What was the method? You know, did he put a hand on the guy? Did he say a special magic phrase? You might be wondering, if we get people up at the end, what do I need to do to pray the right type of prayer? Is there a formula? Well, in this example, Jesus, almost to buck the trend to show that there is no formula, he uses a strange method of healing this guy. He spits on the ground, which sounds like a strange start, and he kind of... In the dust and the dirt of the ground, he kind of makes a bit of a mud pool, a bit like a cheesecake, kind of chocolate cheesecake, and walks up to the guy. He puts the cheesecake muddy, spitty thing in his eyes, and he says, you go and wash that off, you'll be totally healed. Now, I think we should find that kind of funny. That's a ridiculous way to heal somebody. God has the power to heal people anyways. But the reason I share that one is, one, to show that Jesus brought the kingdom to earth, but two, to say, if you want to pray for someone don't think there's a special phrase to say. Just pray for them. If you are going to be tempted to say a certain thing or do a certain way, don't worry. Jesus almost deliberately healed people in all kinds of different ways to show there is no perfect formula. Okay, so in Matthew 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, but then healing every disease and every affliction among the people. It looks as though Jesus never turned anybody away. It looks as though from the New Testament, Jesus never said to somebody, your illness is a bit too major, or your sickness, no, I can't do that one, or even, no, I don't really fancy it today. It looks as if Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Isn't that amazing? If we come to God today, there's nothing that is too big for him to heal. 
every disease, every affliction among the people. That's a great verse. Okay, so that's stage two, the life of Jesus on earth. So let's take a a quick look through stage three. So around AD 33, something like that, Jesus ascends back to heaven. So is that the end of the story? Is that the end of the kingdom breaking into earth? Does nobody get healed after that? Well, no. We read in the New Testament then that Jesus kind of, just before going back to heaven, got his, his followers together and he said this to them. It says in Matthew 10, He called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. That's every disease and every affliction as well. He said to them, Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. Have we heard phrases like that already? Yeah, that's what Jesus was doing. And he says to his followers, now it's over to you. I'm just one guy, but you guys can now go and do exactly the same thing. Pray for the sick. Heal the sick. It's almost like a job description for them. He gets them together and says, okay, what I'm going to leave you with is a mission, a commission, a job description. And it involves these things, healing the sick, raising the dead. And we read from the pages of the New Testament, that's exactly what Jesus' followers did. They did exactly that. They went and healed the sick. They even raised the dead. They took Jesus' job description for them very seriously. So here's a question for you. Is healing the sick and raising the dead something just for the first followers of Jesus to be doing? Did Jesus ever say that? It's just for you guys. Or is it something that we should be involved in as followers of Jesus? Well, I think part of the answer comes in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission. He says this to his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So look at it this way. Jesus heals the sick. He brings the kingdom of heaven to earth in people's lives. Then he says to his followers at the time, I want you to do the same thing. Get stuck in. Get involved. And then he says to them, listen, and I also want you to find other people. Tell them the good news about me and what a difference I've made in your life. And then tell them to do what I've told you to do. It's like a staircase. Jesus tells his disciples who go and make new disciples and they tell them, well, Jesus wants you to go and heal the sick and raise the dead. This is like a delegated authority, like a job description that's passed on to us. I think it's something we should all be involved in in some way. Praying for the sick, healing the sick. I'm going to give you another story. How many of you have heard of a guy called Smith Wigglesworth? Now, Smith Wigglesworth is a bit of a hero of mine. He was an absolute loopy guy. He was crazy. Um, I'll tell you one story that is an example of how he took it as his job description to heal the sick and raise the dead as a follower of Jesus. So um, Smith Wigglesworth is in in a room with a lady and a doctor and this lady's friends. The lady is very sick and she passes away. The doctor puts the sheet over her head and declares her dead. Medically, she's dead. Smith Wigglesworth thinks, 
well, my job description as a Christian involves healing the sick and raising the dead. And he has a real sudden sense that God's saying to him, this isn't the time for this lady to die. So he says, okay. Walks over to her, takes the sheet off, lifts her up, pops her up against the wall, and says, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this death. In the name of Jesus, walk. And as testified by the friends there, the lady herself, the doctor, and Smith Wigglesworth, this lady opens her eyes and walks across the room. Smith Wigglesworth, when he preached, he said, I just believe God's word. His kind of catchphrase was, just believe. He believed that God had given him the authority to get stuck in, to get involved. He believed that God could heal. He probably saw hundreds or even thousands of people healed. Really because he believed that it was part of his job description and God had done everything he needed in order to pray for the sick and see them healed and even raise the dead. Okay, that is the end of our three time periods. Um, So we're going to get people up in a second and pray for them to be healed. But I'm just going to give you five really quick tips. These are things that I have found helpful when praying for the sick, things that help give me confidence when praying for the sick, and they're pretty much picked up off other people. I can't take credit for any of them. And you'll find out as I quote other people, it's mainly their ideas. So, um, So number one, if you would like to get involved in praying for the sick, know the healer. Just as Pete said earlier on, we want our focus not to be on us. We want our focus to be on God. So in a second, when we pray, let's not focus too much on ourselves. Let's focus on God and his ability to heal. Um, Joel Virgo is a, a, a leader of a church in Brighton. He puts it this way. He says, the thing to do is to get close to him, to get to know him and spend a lot of time with him. He's talking about Jesus because he's the answer. He's the healer. He says, the people I know who have the greatest gift of healing, they know Jesus a lot. They spend so much time with him that sometimes when you listen to them praying for the sick, they tend to talk to Jesus. They tend to worship Jesus so much that they almost forget to pray for the sick person because they're so excited about Jesus. That's my experience. I've seen people pray and they're so convinced God's a healer They sometimes don't even get to praying for the sick. They just say, God, you're amazing. Jesus, I love you. They're so excited about him. I'd encourage you, if you'd like to be involved in praying for the sick, it's something for all of us to do, but get to know the healer. Also, I guess one way, one thing I should say is if you're here and you don't feel like you know Jesus at all, maybe it's your first time or you don't really know Jesus, my encouragement to you is don't just try and find facts about him. Try and get to know him. Maybe when people come up at the end and we start to pray for them, you could just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, if you're real, I'd like to get to know you as well. Would you show yourself to me? My encouragement is don't worry too much about all the facts and figures about Jesus' life. He's alive. Get to know him now. Okay, so that's point one. That's first tip. Second tip, read about Jesus. I have found that if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, You cannot help but be convinced that God heals. You cannot help but be confident that God heals today. There are so many stories of Jesus healing people. It's good for our souls to read them and to think, man, if Jesus can do that, then 
Hebrews 13.8 says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do that today. Read about Jesus. Third tip for you. Pray often. What I mean by that is pray for the sick. Every opportunity you get. That's actually harder to do than it is just to say. But a man called John Wimber, who saw hundreds and hundreds of people healed, he said something like this. I'd rather pray for a hundred people and see one person healed than pray for nobody and see no one healed. I think as a church, that's a good attitude for us to have. Husbands, pray for your wives. Parents, pray for your children. Why don't we get into the habit, into the routine of saying, let's just pray. You're unwell, let's pray for you. God can heal you. Better to pray for 100 people and see one person healed than as a church, us just to pray for no one and see no one healed. Okay, two to go. Number four, know God's promises. You know, it's good for us to live knowing the promises of God. That's how Smith Wigglesworth lived, for sure. That's how Jesus lived. He had the promises of God on the tip of his tongue. Here are a few promises we can get to know. Number one, as I've said already, in Exodus 15 it says, I am the Lord, your healer. It's who God is. Second promise. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is a promise of God. You will also do the works that he did. Whatever you ask in his name. We should live with these promises at the forefront of our mind, I think, if we want to be praying for the sick. Okay, and the last tip for you is kind of simple. Oh, wait, I forgot this verse. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, it says in James. And the Lord will raise him up. It doesn't say maybe, hopefully, if you think hard enough, if you're really, really positive, it says the Lord will raise him up. Let's live with these promises at the forefront of our mind. It's only healthy for us to believe in God for these promises. Okay, and then the last point is don't forget God's promises. It's kind of a simple one. But I've found in my life, if I've been praying for somebody and they've not been healed straight away, I just forget God's promises. I just think, oh, well, that, those things must not be true anymore. My encouragement to you is this. Come back to God. Say, God, I'm remembering these promises. Andrew Wilson is part of a, the leadership of a church in Eastbourne. He puts it much more eloquently than I am by saying this. He says, we should pray, God, you said... God, your word says, let it be so in this person's life. He says, we keep knocking on the door. We keep persevering in faith because we are coming to a God who wants to heal, whose will is to heal. We're praying in line with his will and calling on him to do what he said he would do and be who he said he is. Do you think that's a good attitude for us to have? Not just God. If you feel like it, hopefully maybe this person might get better. But to say, no, God, we're going to pray that you are and you show to us to be who you say you are. 
We're praying in line with your promises. So have your kingdom come in this person's life. I think that's the right kind of attitude we should have as a church when we come to God. I think Jesus, I think God likes it when we come to him and say, no, you said, you said this, your word says this. I think God likes that kind of attitude in prayers. Okay, that is the last of my points, but just because I think it's good for us to have examples, we're just going to watch a clip of an example of a friend of mine who was healed recently. So um, if we can flick over to that clip, that'd be great. The reason I wanted partly to show that clip as an example is I'd just like to paint a picture for 30 seconds. If you imagine as a church in a few months' time, somebody comes in and says, well, I want to know, is your God real? Somebody who doesn't believe in God. I'd like to say, wouldn't it be a great thing for us to pray for that not only God would heal people today, and we believe he will when we pray for the sick. But God will continue to heal people in a way that is verifiable by an x-ray. Something that we can point to. It doesn't have to be an x-ray, but say, listen, there is no doubt that my God is real. Look, this is a physical impossibility. I think what Jesus did often was pray and then explain how amazing the kingdom of God is. I'd love us as a church to have opportunities to say, let's demonstrate it first and then explain just how great our God is. I'd love it if as a church in a few months' time, we look back and say, well, why don't you just come and meet my friend who's got two x-rays to show you? Wouldn't that be great? Okay, we're going to sing a song. And um, whilst we sing, why don't you just start to pray out to God if you want to. Just come to God, ask that he'd come and touch you, and then we're just going to get everybody who wants to be prayed for, any sickness, really anything, a small pain, an injury, something that's chronic or has been going on for years, any type of sickness, injury, illness, we'd love to pray for you. We believe that God can heal you. And equally, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I'd like to get stuck in, I'd like to get involved, please come to the front and pray for people. If you'd like to do both, come and get prayer and then pray for someone else. Healing isn't reserved Healing prayer isn't reserved for people who've got 100% bodies. So you can come to the front as well. One last thing before Sam starts is if you'd like to know more about the topic of healing, I've printed out something called A Healthy Theology of Healing. It's a theological paper written by a, a, a leader of a church in London, which is really, really thorough. has a great explanation of more about the theology of healing. So those are available at the end. They'll just be at the front if you'd like to read some more. So great. Why don't we stand and let's sing.